Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for listening to the best Houston sports podcast. And back with us is friend of the show, David Hardesty. You know him from clutchfans.net, the best Rockets fan site, one of the best fan sites in all of sports. And great to have you with, with us, David. First of all, I, I didn't want to talk to you about the Rockets right off the bat because I'm still kind of getting over the news last night that John Madden passed away and you and I are about the same age. So we grew up with Madden, both uh, as a coach and then as a broadcaster and then the video game. And, you know, I I don't know how you felt when you saw that, but to me, it's just like the, the guy that was the NFL more than anybody else (laughs) is gone. John Madden was just such a legend and you, you never heard a bad word about him for somebody that was in the sports public eye for the last, you know, 50 years, most of our lives. It's just amazing that uh, he just had this perfect Q rating. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. You you mentioned that because it actually really hit me. Um, I felt like it was a, um, like a personal loss and, you know, my brothers and I immediately communicated um, and, you know, just talked about different memories that we've had of, of John Madden and old friends and every single friend, you know, in that age group as well. It's to me, you know, Pat Summerall and John Madden, when I hear like a clip of those guys, it just takes me right back to, you know, what I loved about football growing up. And, you know, there's the video game side as well. I mean, John Madden football was like for us in college, the game, you know, it was like the, I think I believe it was the Sega Genesis at the time. And it was like the, 93 version and we would go to classes and we'd come home and my roommates and I would play that game. I mean, it was just uh, like a religion. So, you know, he's had such a lasting impact on football and and the NFL and uh, he will be missed for sure. Yeah. Just everywhere commercials, you know, I, I do remember him vaguely as a coach, but you know, when he came on as a broadcaster with Summerall, there just was not a better perfect match and you know I watched the documentary on Madden last night on Fox Sports and they did that fantastic documentary for Christmas Day and and the one thing that when you listen to those guys together uh, they were so perfect because Summerall was very succinct and very quick and it just left time for Madden to do everything that he did as a broadcaster which was you know be a teacher he could be funny uh, some of the moments that you, you had with Madden were just uh, fantastic. You can remember, I remember him talking about this uh, NFL insignia that was on the uniform, David, and he was, he would say, uh, have you guys uh, seen this thing as NFL insignia? It's on your shirt and it's right here. And they, they call this the yoke. What's a yoke, Pat? I don't, I don't know what a yoke, I've never heard of a yoke in my life, but they said it's on the yoke of the shirt. And, and you know, he's circling it with his telestrator and everything like that. It's just... It was, it was great. Uh, just he's a, he was just one of a kind and really be missed. Um, I, let me get to the Rockets because just a ton of, to talk about with them. And I haven't talked to you since uh, the season started and Jalen Green, Kevin Porter back in the lineup. But I, I was thinking about this, David, maybe the biggest thing that happened to Josh Christopher's career might have been Porter and Green going down in the last month because we got to see who he was. He might have been stuck in the G League. We might not have known how Josh Christopher was going to be as an NBA player for several months or maybe even till next year. And, and I just feel like the, the loss of those two guys has really helped Josh Christopher. And, and now I'm kind of wondering, you know, what, what kind of player can Josh Christopher be for this team down the line? 
Uh, you're right. Um, I, you know, Josh Christopher, he really surprises me. I, you know, I, I freely admit I was a little bit disappointed with that pick at the time. Not crushed, but just felt like, you know, that was uh, maybe a little early for him. And he has looked to be a fantastic pick. I, I think I completely underestimated his defensive potential. Um, and what he did in, uh, against the Lakers, I thought he was just fantastic. And, and you, you nailed it there about the, the G League. I mean, I really look at it was basically Green, Alper and Shangun, and Garuba and Christopher were the guys that, you know, were going to develop long you know, down the line. And didn't look like there was room for Christopher really to play until maybe Eric Gordon was traded. And he's completely shattered those, uh, that timeline. And I think he's, he's looking fantastic. Um, you know, what, what his future with the team is, uh, you know, as far as the starting role or a six man, I'm not sure, but I think he has very good two-way potential and uh, he has really, really uh, exceeded my expectations. As I'm watching the Rockets this year, one thing is starting to really be evident. And I don't know if you've noticed this, but it's it's a big concern with how Rafael Stone has built the team. All these big guys that the Rockets have, none of them can shoot the ball from outside. And in an NBA where you need outside shooting, that's a concern. Now, we think Shangun can be that, but he still seems reticent and frankly scared to shoot from three. It's obviously not his forte at this point. I don't even know if he's comfortable shooting outside of five feet, to be honest with you. And then Christian Wood... Uh, he he's up and down as a shooter. You know, I, f- I feel like, you know, he's an average NBA shooter at this point as, as a big man or as, as, as basically as an average, uh, his numbers are probably about average to what today's three point shooting is, but you know, Garuba has got a long way to go. If you look at somebody like him or Jay Sean Tate's a concern. I mean, he still looks terrible and uncomfortable from the three point line and KJ Martin improved over the course of last year, but he's sort of slid back a little bit with his numbers from three. Um, th- that's a concern that they've got a bunch of these guys that can't shoot. And, and we know about Daniel Tice. That's a whole other story we can get into later. But uh, wh- what do you think about that? So we're talking obviously strictly from three point range, as you pointed out, because obviously I think Jay Sean Tate has been pretty good this year, but his three point uh, percentages, you know, have not. So, so you're, you're right about that. Um, the only thing I would push back there on that is I think Alperin Shingun is very willing to take those threes. He, you know, he hasn't been uh, great with it, but I think in time he's going to develop that range. I do agree with you though. I don't think his range as far as willingness to take the shot um, is, you know, outside of five feet, other than those, those catch and shoot threes that he gets, or, you know, the open threes. I don't think he's, you, you don't see him taking 15 to 18 footers very often, but, but boy, has he been, uh, really good in, in, in so many other areas, but without a doubt to get to your point, you know, three point shooting is an issue. I mean, KPJ is not great at it. He was very good against the Lakers. Jalen green has struggled to start, but I think he, in my opinion, projects to be a very good three point shooter. I would expect 35 to 40% once, you know, he gets more comfortable and that's looking like it's starting to happen now. Um, but I, <laughs> I, you know, I think in this draft, that's why one of the big reasons I love Jabari Smith, I, I, I really feel they need a guy who is a very good player, uh, if not a star player, who's a 40% three-point shooter. You know, Eric Gordon's great, a strong role player, obviously not in their timeline and and will probably get dealt. And he's been awesome this year, but I think they need somebody as part of their core that is uh, a very good three-point shooter. It's just the the way the league is now. It's just, you got to have that skill set. 
It's funny you mentioned Jamari Smith because I was watching highlights from him so far this year and some of the other guys that, you know, potential top five guys that maybe the Rockets would be in line for. And Jabari Smith to me was an easy number one for me if I was the Rockets drafting in this draft. And Jabari with his defensive ability and he moves like, you know, a Kevin Durant with the silky smoothness of of somebody of that size. I'm not saying he's Kevin Durant as a player, but uh, that's the that's what I see when I watch him play as somebody that has that sort of uh, smoothness for a 6'11 guy that can also play defense and do all of that sort of thing. So I think, yeah, that would be my number one choice for the Rockets, but I'm afraid that it might be the number one choice for the NBA. I was listening to Chad Ford's podcast, and he's now talking about him as a potential number one overall guy. So that, that that's my one concern is it, it, you might need to be, be uh, number one in the entire draft, which is going to be, uh, you know, it's a little, a little tricky of a situation with the way the lottery yards are. Yeah. And that that's that part is unfortunate because I think early in the year I'm with you. I've been saying the same thing, like as far as rockets and fit for the rockets, this is my number one. And I felt like, wow, you're going to pass on Paolo just because he fits better with the rockets. But he's now gaining some traction as the possible number one overall. I think the good thing about it is you've got, I would say, at least four guys right now uh, adding in Jaden Ivey with uh, with the three that we've mentioned here as guys that could potentially go number one or, or have that type of talent. No one's going to be disappointed taking any of those four. So if the Rockets are fortunate enough to just get in the lottery two or three or whatever, you may see trade possibilities simply because there are you know guys who are very close to one another as, as far as how talented they are. But yeah, I love Jabari Smith. That would be the ideal fit in my opinion. The big thing that they need more than anything is defense inside. So you think, oh, well, Holmgren would be the guy. But I just watch somebody like Chet Holmgren and I think, oh, no, that looks like a body that's going to break down in today's NBA. And I don't know how long it's going to take to put the weight on him that he needs. But, you know, is he ever going to be able to get up to that weight? You know, that's one thing you just don't know. I mean, Manute Bull uh, was a rail and never stopped being a rail. Some of these guys just never can put the weight on we put it on Yao Ming and then he started to break down you know the foot problems and all that so maybe the weight hurt him in the long run you're right that, that could be the case and, and it's funny you bring this up because you know I, I'm hesitant to say anything that's negative about Alperin Shangun. everyone loves him right now and this is not a negative necessarily about him but I I do think you know this is a guy who has excellent potential as a starting center but we really don't see rim protection ability with him. I mean, he's an aggressive defender, and I think the foul rate shows that. He's having a, a hard time uh, staying in games at times. Last night, he picked up three fouls in the first four minutes. But, you know, what What do the Rockets have as far as a rim protector or somebody who can anchor a defense, uh, you know, inside? And that's, you know, like I, I've written about this and I, they don't have to answer that question right now. You've got three and a half years with Shangun. Let's see what he develops to be. But in my opinion, that's a, that's a big one. Uh, you know, Jabari Smith has, I wouldn't necessarily say rim protector, but he has, you know, some good defensive potential. And of course he's got the range, but you know, you just wonder what that future looks like. Cause I, I think in this league, you really need to have a rim protector along with good three-point shooters. That's the thing with Shane Goon that I'm, I'm wondering about is, is he a five or is he a four? I, I feel like he's got to be a five in, in the NBA. And if that's the case, then what do you do with Christian Wood? Where, where are you on Christian Wood at this point in the development of where, where he's going as far as the timeline for the team? I, I, I'm not so much worried about 
the fact that he's older than all of these other guys because you know he doesn't have the wear and tear that some of the other guys that his age would have but at the same time i just wonder does he block shane goon can those guys work together because it, it just seems like there, there's some issues and it's going to take shane goon a while before his shooting is consistent enough from the outside and, and he's confident enough in that to where you can put him with christian wood but to me the bigger thing with why I don't know if they can work together is defensively. I don't see those two guys being complementary of each other. And, and I feel like it's a real problem in today's NBA when you have two guys their size that, you know, they really don't have the ability to go out on the perimeter and guard very well. I mean, Christian Wood definitely has got great athleticism, but there are too many times where he's afraid to get close to the guy that he's guarding because he thinks he's going to get blown by. So he's, he, he gets back and guys have, you know, easy three-point shots right in front of him. Yeah. My my view on Christian Wood is trade him. Uh, I really feel that's what the right move is to do. I'm not saying the Rockets are going to do that, but I think it's the smartest thing they can do. And I think this trade deadline is the right time to do it because somebody can add him for this year and next year. If you trade him, you know, in the in the off season, he's got one season left. It it isn't the, the age necessarily. It's the it, to me what he's going to command or what he's going to ask for. Um, and he can, he's an unrestricted free agent, so he can just walk. I think it's important to get something for him now. I've been talking to a friend about this recently. I, I, I think about this at least once a week. DeMarcus Cousins, last year, the beginning of the year, talked about Christian Wood as a potential defensive player of the year, and I'm just wondering what in the world DeMarcus Cousins saw because he hasn't done anything like that he's a five but he plays more of the four on defense he doesn't have a defensive presence uh, really as a shot blocker even though he's got a, a you know i believe a seven foot three wingspan a great wingspan he's got range he's like you pointed out he's not hasn't been outstanding but he's certainly willing and, and capable to shoot the three-point shot and he's a good scorer inside i mean I, he's a good rim runner sets good screens i somebody's going to want him and you know give up a first round pick or two for him. I, I really don't know the market, but I, to me, that's what I would do. I just don't see him as the long-term center here or long-term four. You know, to me, I think Shangun is like you, you mentioned, probably the five. I have the same question, whether he's the four or the five. I don't think you can just throw Shangun out there 35 minutes a night right now, because I don't, I think he'll foul out in, in 25, maybe not every game, but his foul rate is, is, you know, he's still developing that and he'll get over it. But right now it's an issue. If you trade Wood, you're probably going to keep Tice right now, and because or, or you're going to have some other center come in because you can't count on Shangun right now to start and play heavy minutes. Have you been nosing around as far as Christian Wood trade possibilities? Because I was looking around, and you know, a team that obviously could use him would be Charlotte. They have draft choices, so they got some capital there. Not much as far as young players, but the thing about Christian Wood is much more than Eric Gordon. I think he's easy to find somebody you can match cap with. It's just, you know, what are you going to get for him? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. I, you know, I, the one that most people look at is Golden State, in, in my opinion. I, I'm not saying he's ideal for them. Uh, you know, Draymond would definitely try to whip him into shape as far as a, a defensive player or defensive presence. Um, but I think he would be really good for them in a lot of ways. And I think the reason it's mentioned is because Golden State does have um, a lot of young guys i mean they got wiseman kaminga and moses moody um and they you know they could make some of that work 
But, you know, I think there's a, a, a lot of teams, in my opinion, that could use Christian Wood. I think there are actually more teams that could use Eric Gordon. I mean, the, the contract is a, a different issue, but I, I think there's, I, I was counting last night, I counted about 20 to 21 teams that would probably love to add Eric Gordon. I mean, a guy who's shooting 45% from three-point range and can play solid defense, even at his age. Christian Woods, um, I think there, there would be a lot of demand for him, but it's just trickier to find that that ideal fit because you have to got, find a team that is really looking for a, a, three, a center that has that range. Yeah. The golden state thing, I just don't see right now because Christian Wood doesn't fit into what they do. He's not a good passer. He doesn't move the ball around. Well, it hits him. The ball sticks with him. And that's a big problem with both the Rockets. And it's a bigger problem if he goes to golden state, which that's, that's their offense. The other problem with Golden State is, yeah, J- James Wiseman, you would love to have, but they seem to like him more and more the more you hear about it. Maybe that's just smoke, but Kaminga is the guy that I would love to get my hands on. But the more he's played, the more Golden State realizes, oh, yeah, we, we, we need this guy. This guy's going to be really good for a long time, and he's already helping him out right now. So, yeah, maybe a Wiseman or a Moody or something like that. But my issue with Golden State is I just don't see how Christian Wood fits into that system, into what Steve Kerr does and the, into their offense. Yeah, it's a great point. Um, I, I would agree with that. I personally am not that high on Wiseman. I do like Moses Moody, and I agree with your assessment of Kaminga. I thought he had good potential, but I thought he was going to be like that two years away from being two years away type of potential. I didn't expect him to to get significant run with the Warriors this year. Uh, and that has surprised me. But yeah, I mean, I, I look at it as Wiseman and Moody are the guys, in my opinion, that they would be willing to flip. Maybe they are high on Wiseman, but I tell you what, I, I, you know, the, you look at the difference between the Warriors last year and the Warriors this year. It's about guys who know their roles and play solid defense and all those things. And I, in my opinion, when they had Wiseman last year, they weren't very good. When he went out, they were better. So to, to me, I, I, you know, I, I'm wondering how they're going to try to get him in there. I, I don't know if Christian was necessarily a better fit for him, but I don't see Wiseman as a, a guy who's going to impact the Warriors significantly. The issue with Eric Gordon, I just don't see a lot of teams that can match salary with him when you're trying to trade because he's got this contract that you just don't see as much in the NBA in the last few years. The The middle tier guys, the guys that are making you know his money around $18 million, it's, it's hard to find. So you got to you got to get two guys in that deal. Plus, I think when you look at the season, it's it's just a mess for a lot of teams. So you you, you think Eric Gordon's got to go somewhere where he's got a legit chance to win a championship. In other words, a team that thinks that they have a legit shot, and and then the the choices get narrowed down. I don't see Utah as somebody that he would fit in well with because I don't think they need particularly an Eric Gordon type player. Uh, the Warriors have got. Clay Thompson coming back. Brooklyn doesn't have anything to deal anymore. You know, Chicago, they don't have much trade capital either. Milwaukee, maybe, but I'm not really seeing that. Phoenix is the one that makes the most sense, but even them, you know, you're you're probably trying to get three guys for one and you know, then it gets, it gets a little bit more complicated when it, when it, when it's Phoenix, because like I said, it's just hard to like when you go into the trade machine, it becomes really hard to find the match because you're trying to find the contracts too to fit with Eric Gordon and that, and that gets hard. Yeah, it, it, it's a little challenging, but I, I think that there are some good candidates out there. I do. I, I, I think you, as you kind of mentioned, you really just need to find, I guess it's about 15 million or, or whatever it is within that range of dead money or, or, or 
basically contracts that, you know, teams aren't using them. Maybe they're expiring, what have you. And then you've got to find a team that has a, a first round pick to add and because at least that's what I believe they're looking for. The Rockets don't need a player. I mean, they could get a prospect if they went, if they wanted to, but they basically just need salary match. And then if you're just taking somebody's garbage and giving them Eric Gordon, that's worth a first round pick. Uh, and, and as long as that garbage doesn't go beyond next season, salary wise, that works just fine for Houston. So I, I think somebody's going to end up getting lucky. I, I think, you know, this is just hunch. I think Philly is a team once Ben Simmons gets dealt. I, I could honestly see them getting significant capital, whether it's picks or a prospect, and that Eric Gordon is is part of that in a three-team deal. You know, the, the Clippers, I think they're struggling this some this year, but they've got Eric Bledsoe, who's only guaranteed for, I believe, $3.9 million next year. At least as far as salary flipping, that's you know good for Houston. They just don't unfortunately have a first round pick beyond 2026, or I think you have to go to like 2028 or something like that for the for the Clippers. Uh, the Lakers would kill to add somebody like Eric Gordon, but I just there's no player that's interesting. Taylor Horton Tucker is not interesting to me at all. It's all about getting that first round pick and, and having the salary that comes back be a match. And you know people mention things like Cam Reddish with Atlanta. That that's to me, I mean, it'd be great if they could add Cam Reddish, but, you know, they're not going to trade Cam Reddish for Eric Gordon. So it, it's, to me, just about finding a team that would, you know, love to add a guy who's shooting 45%, Robert, from three-point range and is a very underrated defender. So I, I think having a 3 and D guy like that who's comfortable coming off the bench, doesn't have to start, can provide that spark – to me, there'd be a ton of teams going for him, but but you are right that salary matching it's it's a little bit challenging. I want to get your assessment of, of Jalen Green so far. And one thing that surprised me as he started to play early in the season was just how small he looks for six foot four. And that's a concern, I think, if you're talking about trying to win a championship with him as your number one guy, is usually that number one guy in a championship team is really good defensively. And and Jalen Green with out the broad shoulders and the hips, you know, yeah, he could add some muscle, he could get bigger, but his frame doesn't look like somebody that's going to, you know, be big enough to really, really cause a lot of problems on the defensive end. And he doesn't have the, the wingspan or anything else that's extraordinary from a body type offensively, you know, you, we're starting to see him come into his own. And I really like what, what we've seen both uh, right before he got hurt. You could, you could see him start turning the corner before he got hurt. And since he's been back, he's looked really good. The offense I'm excited about, I'm looking forward to, and this guy's going to be an explosive offensive player. But can he be a number one on a championship team with that body frame and, you know, without the wingspan and, and, and maybe being a somewhat of a defensive liability? Yeah, I, I do think right now, um, I, I think his defense has been passable, but I think that before he came back from injury, I thought it was pretty terrible, to be honest with you. Um, I, I think he's 19. He's very young. I think he can get better. I, I've been extremely impressed with, obviously, all the athleticism that he has, his ability to, to shoot. I mean, since he's come back, he's been on fire. Uh, I think he's shooting like 55% from three-point range in his last three uh, since, you know, which is basically since they ditched the double big lineup and, and, you know, added more spacing. I mean, it's a small sample, but, you know, there's he's he's definitely trending up. 
I don't worry about one of your main pieces being a defensive liability. I do worry about two. And I'm not saying Shingun is that defensive liability, but you know, I thought against the Lakers, his defense was poor at times. Um, and I'm not, you know, sold on him being a, a defensive anchor for a team. So that that is a concern to me, the two of them together. I, I think they both work hard. They're both very young. Um, they've got a lot of potential. But yeah, I, I think as far as the Rockets, long-term defense is a big issue. I mean, they gave 130 plus last night to the Lakers. You've got some role players that are, are strong defensive players, uh, you know, as far as part of their future, Tate, Christopher, and Garuba, but you know those guys at least right now project to be your fifth starter or your you know coming off your off the bench. But I, I'm okay. You know I'm excited about Jalen Green. I, obviously, I was um, you know most people know I was one in Mobley for the team, but I, I wasn't concerned about them taking Jalen Green so long as he projects to be that type, that star that they think he can be. I was worried about it early on, but I think he's starting to trend up, and I I think I'm going to be fine with him. Uh, and his what he's what he can do for the team. I think what we saw in the fourth quarter against the Lakers showed his type of potential to really light it up quick. Kevin Porter, I have been one of his biggest critics, as you know, David, uh, since the Kevin Porter hype started last year. Uh, I was a critic early in the season, but I have to admit, I saw him turn a corner right before he got hurt. Those few games, the start of the win streak, and he looked good again against the Lakers. Um, what I need to see from Kevin Porter is just the high IQ stuff. I need to see him locked in. There are times, I don't know if you, you see this, but where he drives to the basket and, you know, it should be an easy layup and he sort of nonchalants it and he misses a layup. He's just not good at finishing at, a, at the basket for somebody with his athleticism and his skills and everything like that. that that's one of those things that you know, to me, that's just about being a little bit more locked in. Sometimes I feel like he plays on his heels. He's not, you know, all, all, all engaged as, as much as I would like to see him. But he has turned a corner. The defense this year is much better. And then offensively, you know, when the win streak started, he looked a lot better than I've seen him look as a rocket. And, and it's not just, you know, he was making shots, but just uh, some of the things that he was doing as far as not turning the ball over. Uh, finding Christian Wood, the pick and roll game. I liked that Silas was running that more with him. And it seemed like Porter was interested in, in being engaged in that pick and roll, which I think can be very effective with Christian Wood. But where are you on him? I think it's a tough decision right now for the Rockets. I, he, you are right about it. he's made strides defensively. He talked about that after the Lakers game uh, and, and talked about how he's more engaged and, and more focused on that. Uh, and it shows. I think he's he's made improvements there, and he's still young. He's learning, and you know, basically a new position. He's gotten better, I should say. He's trending up on it. Turnovers are an issue. He's got great size for that position. I would love to have a guy like that, who's you know that size and could be a good defensive player, which he's starting to to become. Hopefully, a plus defender. That's a, a positive. I just, you know, to me, he's still a scoring guard. He's, he's very much a combo guy, you know, a three or, or a two. And I just don't know if he's the ideal fit next to Jalen Green. I, I'm not saying that he's definitely not. I mean, this is we're at this stage of the Rockets where, you know, we roll these guys out there and we see what they become. There's no rush to make a decision on Kevin Porter Jr. However, this offseason, he is up for an extension. And, you know, it's a 
whole different ball game once you lock these guys into to big money. Guys who are on rookie contracts have a lot of value. Once you pay them a lot, they better really perform at that rate or or be for sure part of your future. So I still believe he projects more as a sixth man to me, but the last 10 games or whatever it was that he's played, he just came back from injury, but but he played before. He was really playing well. So I'm not saying for sure that's going to be the case. I just that's that's my hunch with him. I think if you're playing with Jalen Green, and I think there were a few instances against the Lakers late in the game where I thought Green was wide open, um, you know, on the wing or uh, for for three, and and KPJ sort of had that locked locked in on going towards the basket. I you know I just to me they're both scoring guards. Even though KPJ can pass it, I think you're still trying to make a guy um, who's a, a two three into a one, and we'll we'll see. I, I hope I'm wrong about it because, like I say, he's got great size for a point guard position. I think, and, and he's playing good defensively. So he's trending in a direction where maybe he is your long-term fit next to Jalen green and they love each other. They they get along great and they love playing together. And, and there's so many positives there and we have so much time for, to see what the Rockets can become with those two. Um, that's just my hunch right now. And I've been wrong about these things before. Rafael stone has made some fantastic player moves. You know, the Josh Christopher and Shangoon in the draft were fantastic Garrison Matthews, incredible steal. We haven't even got to him yet. Armani Brooks was a steal, a guy to pick up for nothing. Uh, Martin late in the draft was fantastic. I still am so baffled, and it just does not make any sense. I, I didn't get it at the time. I know, I don't think you got it when they signed Daniel Tyson in the offseason. He's a dime a dozen big guy, a, a guy in the modern NBA that nobody really wants or needs, you know, you, you don't, you don't have anything that you can really do with Daniel Tice. If you're the Rockets as a long-term thing and, and they, yet they signed him to a longer deal. I, it just, it, it baffles me a team that was built on analytics and something that they should understand. I mean, Stone spent all his time around Daryl Morey. There's, there's no way Daryl Morey makes the Daniel Tice signing. I, I don't get it. I, I didn't get it at the time. I'm just really confused and why they did that. Yeah, I tried to look at it like an Omer Ashik type of signing when, you know, Daryl was there as maybe they felt this guy, you know, with a with a bigger role would be, you know, have a significant <laughs> impact on analytics. I mean, I would think that they, they believe it's a mistake. I, the thing that I thought was a mistake at the time wasn't so much adding Tice as it was giving him that guaranteed third year because everything lines up perfectly for the Rockets in the 2023 offseason and you've you know locked up nine plus million dollars on Daniel Tice I was concerned about it whether he could be flipped I'm not as concerned anymore I feel like uh you know just in in on Twitter and in different other social media outlets I see teams interested or, or fans of teams interested in adding Tice because he is a solid role player it's not outrageous money maybe the length of the deal that might be an issue but you know I think they could trade Daniel Tice if if they wanted to I just don't know I don't know which of these two is going to get moved to the deadline Tice or Wood I hope it's not just Tice I'd rather see Christian Wood traded but to me Tice is just a solid role player the good news is he hasn't he hasn't made a bunch of noise about you know not playing because you know he was basically starting for the first 16 17 games and then just basically fell off the map uh, as far as playing time. And so they can move him. I I think there would be teams that are interested in him, but I think if you were 
to privately ask the Rockets, I would think they would tell you that was probably a mistake. Yeah, I don't even care if he's here if they trade Wood because I would rather see Garuba get some minutes at the center spot or Jayshon Tate. I, I just I don't like watching a guy that really has no future with the Rockets play. I don't know what he adds. I mean, I know they love him in the locker room and all that. That's that's nice, but th- those guys you should be able to find. You should be able to get that from your assistant coaches and other places. And, uh, you know, I, I would just rather see you develop some other players. And the Rockets are so bad when he plays. And, uh, you know, people say, oh, well, he, when he plays with the two bigs. No, you look at the games that he's played as a Rocket so far, and I think they've won, what, two or three games total? And their winning percentage is way better when Daniel Tice just doesn't even take the floor. And I'm not saying it's all on him. But, you know, when you have a team that d- doesn't shoot the ball well and you have a guy out there that's just clogging everything up, who's a bad shooter and doesn't give you much of anything on the offensive end, it doesn't help. I don't want to necessarily point the finger exactly at him. I, I mean, there are some problems. I think, you know, there, he's, there's certainly some limitations with him. I think he fits much better on a team that already has superstars or, or contending. He can, he can fill a role. But for a team like the Rockets, it's just there isn't like developing to do. I mean, you could make a case of, you know, mentoring or – providing veteran leadership, but that just, that just doesn't fly for the the type of contract that he got in my opinion. So it hasn't been a great signing, uh, I think, but I'm not discouraged. I don't, I don't feel like they can't move him and, you know, like it's a unmovable contract. I I was concerned with that early in the year because it just, it wasn't doing a whole lot, but I'm encouraged by you know, teams like Denver, for example, really could use a guy like Daniel Tice. I mean, they, they need a backup big. But yeah, I mean, I, to me, I'm just confused. I, I, it almost seemed like, honestly, Robert, that Silas played him with Wood as, as, if, as if to say to the front office, okay, you, you know, we signed him. I'm going to play him to, to prove that point that he's, you know, it's not working. But I mean, I know that wasn't the case. It just felt that way because there were so many things telling them that that double big lineup was not working and they just kept going with it. But like I said, I'm just not concerned that they, that uh, they won't be able to move it. Tough question for you. I think it's a tough question. Who is the Rockets best player as we stand here on December 29th, 2021? That's tough. That's actually really tough. I I would have to say Jalen green. I'm not saying his, his output has, has been that. But I, I mean, he just got the most potential. I mean, you could say Christian Wood. I think that might be the obvious um, answer, just because his actual output has been pretty good during that seven-game win streak. He was certainly fantastic. I, to me, it's I would say Jalen Green, even at 19 years old. I, I feel like that's I'm probably forecasting and projecting, but I feel like that's the guy you have to to focus on. I mean. But I think that there's so many answers people could say. So you could say KPJ. You could say some people like Shangoon the best. I think he's the most talented. They're all very close, in my opinion. Even Eric Gordon is playing out of his mind this year. I mean, um, but they, you know, he's not your best player on the team. You definitely caught me off guard because I don't know if I look at it as get the ball right now to this is the best player on the team. I just think Jalen Green should be that guy moving forward. I want to see him with the ball in his hands more often in the offense. I mean, that's the one thing that when you watch him out there and, and, and his development, you just say, oh, this guy 
is is not the poor decision maker, I guess, bad passer that maybe a lot of people thought when he was coming into the NBA. They thought, oh, his passing's not that good, but he looks like he's a really good decision maker. And, and when he goes to the basket, I think he's going to draw people. And now that you have the Garrison Matthews and the Armani Brooks out there that, you know, they're they're going to uh, have a little bit more room to shoot if, if Jalen Green gets the ball as opposed to, you know, what we've had in the last few weeks. Because Eric Gordon loved the guy, but it, it, he just, just is, is a terrible passer. And, and Jalen Green already is a light year better passer than Eric Gordon is. Yeah, I would agree with that. But I'm so glad you brought this up. That, that is such a good point because I don't want to see Jalen Green turn into just a a marksman, just a, a three-point shooter. I mean, yes, I absolutely want him to have that. But one of the things I want to see him do is take advantage of the spacing to get to the basket. I think I saw that once last night. I think he scored on two different alley-oops, and he had one uh, basket where he attacked the basket hard, and I thought that was encouraging. But, yeah, you point out the playmaking or the creating aspect. I mean, to take advantage of Jalen Green's skill set, it's his first step. It's his athleticism, his ability to get to the basket. And with that comes the ability to draw a defense and kick it out to an open player. I'm not saying Jalen Green's your point guard, and I'm not saying you're going to go all the way to the Harden route where you turn a two guard into such a good isolation player and such a good creator that you run everything through him. But Jalen Green, to me, is not a guy that like has to have somebody creating open looks for him. I think he's a guy who can create a lot of open looks for others. Um, and so I do want to see the ball in his hands more, and I do want to see him create more or or get to the basket more. Since he's been back, he's been heavy on the three point shooting, which is great. He's been good at it, and he's been and I love seeing him uh, efficient because I, you know if this is a guy who can shoot forty percent from three, we don't know that yet, but if he can get to that for a season, he has superstar potential without a doubt to have that kind of range and that quick of a first step. I mean. You can't go out and shut down the three if he's going to blow right past you. So I want to see that more, without a doubt. And I thought last night there were times where he was, even in the fourth, when he scored 14 points, which was fantastic, late in the fourth, I thought he was, I don't want to say ignored, but just, you know, he wasn't a huge factor because I think KPJ was was kind of sort of running that. And so that's, again, another factor in the, in the Jalen and KPJ aspect of, okay, it's good to have two two creators but when the game is on the line who's got the ball in their hands and and is creating for others all right i'm gonna get some controversy here i want to know david hardesty's number one most overrated rocket on twitter (laughs) wow number one most overrated rocket you're you're definitely trying to get me in trouble i'm sure (laughs) you know i it might have been daniel house but there was before but there were so many people who didn't were upset with him i wouldn't have said he was overrated but I think Shangun is getting to that range because he's got so much potential, but there are so many people who just believe he's Nikola Jokic right now and needs to play 35 minutes a night. And, and they're not recognizing some of the flaws and some of the development that he needs to make. I'm very high on Shangun, And, you know, I, I, I wasn't before the draft. I just, I didn't like the player model that he was. I looked at him as just a post player and I didn't really, appreciate or understand his passing um that that his defense would be passable at times or 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 even decent at times um and his iq and i knew he had the post moves but i thought to myself in today's nba why do you why do you want a post score like it just it it just doesn't seem to be the priority especially at a position like center 
So I think he's getting a little bit overrated because I think there are people who just believe absolutely that Silas is, is, you know, out to get him, but doesn't believe in him and, and all these things. But I, I just want to say that I feel like they're developing him quite nicely and bringing him along quite well, in my opinion. So I think maybe he's getting a little bit on the overrated side, uh, even though his impact on the team is pretty significant when he plays. I thought his development was going along great. I, I thought we should have seen more of him early in the year because, you know, there were times where he'd get on a roll and I felt like just leave him in the game, give him a few more minutes. You don't need to bring Christian Wood back in the game at this point. But one thing that I've noticed, David, he he peaked at that Atlanta Hawks game and I, and I feel like he's hit a wall. So, something isn't right since the Hawks game. I don't know if the NBA season is starting to wear on him a little bit, you know, playing as, as many games as quickly with, with these style of athletes, but he's just not the same player that I saw, you know, about two or three weeks ago. And I feel like he's hit maybe the rookie wall. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, he's had a couple of, I would say bad games. I'm not nervous about him. I think he's got the IQ. He's got the work ethic. He's so skilled. I mean, the passes he's made are just crazy. He's already filled up a highlight uh, video worth of insane passes. He's very exciting. And I can understand myself included, you know, why fans want to see him play more because he's just entertaining to watch. But yeah, he, he struggled here um, in a few games that he hasn't been quite as good. You know, teams are also realizing how good he is and, and maybe game planning a little bit more for him. But I don't want to say that's the, the reason why I think he's a guy who has so many tricks in his bag that I think it's going to be tough to guard him. Uh, regardless, my most overrated guy was Kevin Porter, but I think sneaking up there quietly, David, this is somebody that it might shock you a little bit. Armani Brooks is sneaking up there as overrated. I, I like where his defense is going. He's getting better at that. He's getting better at putting the ball on the ground, but Armani Brooks as this dead eye shooter, you, you got to be better than 32%. And I have people t- out there telling me, Oh, if we had Armani Brooks, when James Harden was around, you know, oh my God, that was the kind of guy that we should have. But I'm like, Armani Brooks has got to do more than shoot to be, you know, effective in the playoffs. We've seen a lot of players like Steve Novak or, you know, we've seen guys that just shoot and and when they get into the playoffs, it's not good enough to stay on the floor. But, you know, Armani, it's not like he's getting a bunch of contested shots. You know, there's there's this idea that, well, all of his shots are contested because he doesn't have James Arden out there to get him wide open shots. No, he's had plenty of wide open shots that he's missed. And he's, he's shooting 32% from three. I got to get him up to like, you know, at least 36% where you would consider him, oh, okay, he's a decent shooter. And then, you know, ideally, if you're going to be one of the best shooters in, 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 in basketball, you got to get up into the into the 40%. If you want to be uh, considered a really good three-point shooter, I think that's where you got to be right now in today's NBA. Yeah, it's funny you, say, you use the exact phrase I was going to say, today's NBA. You know, that that's the first thing I check Every box score, you know, as as I'm watching the game, every box score, it's three-point shooting. Where did the other team shoot from three? Where did the Rockets shoot from three? I mean, you go back and look at box scores from the Olajuwon days or, or even before the Olajuwon days, or I should say before the championship days. I mean, there are games where the Rockets are shooting seven, 15 threes total. You know, it's just a completely different game today. So to get to your question about Armani Brooks or, or point about him, yeah, he's struggling this year. Um, he, he's not shooting as many as he did last year. Uh, I, I mean, obviously the, the minutes aren't quite the same, but he hasn't been effective at all. But I, I, I think you, you know, maybe give him a pass because last year he, in his 20 games, I believe he shot like eight threes a game 
and shot over 38%. I mean, he is a good shooter, but he's having a bad year. Silas will say, keep shooting. That's what he's telling him. He says he's telling Armani Brooks, keep shooting. We know you're a good shooter, but you know, we're 30 games in with him um, or that's how many I believe he's played this year and it hasn't gone for him. I mean, there have been seasons Eric Gordon's had the exact same thing happen. Uh, and this year he's shooting 45%. So I'm not too discouraged by it, I guess, because my expectations for Armani Brooks are not very high. I thought he's he's shown some progress as far as other ways to score. I, my expectations for him were nothing more than a, uh, you know, a guy who just, you know, is a spot up three point shooter. So if he does keep doing this, obviously he's going to play his way out of the 15 men that make the Rockets moving forward. Um, but right now I'm not terribly concerned by him. Last thing I wanted to ask you about is your, your pet peeve when you watch the Rockets. Like, what is bugging you? And I, I can tell you one of the things that bugs me when I, when I watch them and I saw it against the Lakers or in the Lakers game was Eric Gordon inbounding the ball. He is a terrible passer. Why would you ever have Eric Gordon inbounding a basketball, especially in a crucial situation? I just don't understand it. The thing that I think that annoys me the most, and I hate being honest about this, it's, it's, uh, Christian Woods sort of, um, you know, and again, I don't know if this is just my perception. It's his sort of mentality of I'm the man, you know, this is my team, you know, and and down the stretch feeling like he needs to take over. I can't remember which game it was two, three games ago where, you know, he had, he he just took some terrible shots And, and, and even Ryan Hollins right away when he took a shot, I think it was from 18, 20 feet off, you know, just off baseline late in the game and a guy right in his face. I mean, just did not let the offense run at all. And Hollins immediately was like, no, no, no. You know, what, what are we doing here? I could be wrong, but it seems to be his mentality that like, okay, it's the last couple minutes. It's, it's my time to shine. That to me is probably what bugs me. Part of the reason why I think I'd like to see him be traded, but the main factor is, is uh, just projecting out beyond the, the next year and a half and, and, and having to sign him. Yeah, his attitude sometimes I feel like is not the best. You see him getting into arguments with teammates vocally pretty loudly on the court more often than just about any other Rocket player. And the other thing is he has just been awful as far as losing guys on on switches and, and more than any player. And he's the, he's the veteran out there. The rookies a lot of times do a much better job of switching, you know, in, in, in a pick and roll or, you know, when the other team's trying to, uh, lose somebody and 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 Christian Woods like not just loses the guy but then sits there and argues with his teammates instead of getting back on offense. You know, you you've got Jalen Green and you've got Alperen Sengun. You believe are going to be, you know, your your two starters moving forward. It, it's not a lock for sure that that's your, you know, two starters on a contending Rockets team, whenever that may be. But it looks like it's a lock. It looks like those two are going to be the guys is Christian Wood really the, the right fit around them? I don't see that. Um, and I feel like his value is good now. I don't see him as masking or overcoming some of the defensive weaknesses of, of those two guys. I wouldn't give big dollars to Christian Wood with the rebuild that they have going on right now. That's the bottom line. It, I wouldn't give that money to him knowing that giving that money is that's a huge chunk of your cap. You, you really want to pay three stars, you know, like, and you know, in three and a half years, Jalen Green and, and Alperin Shingun, if, if they project how we think they're going to project, they're going to get big money. So do you want Christian Wood taking up that cap? And I don't I don't see that. So you have to look ahead and, and make moves accordingly. And so that's why I want to see him get dealt. 
but I'll make this point. I'll say that a lot of people are like, well, what's going to happen when he hits free agency? Who Who's giving Christian Wood the max? I don't even know who's given him somewhere in the neighborhood of $25 million a year. Maybe somebody steps up and does that, but you know, Christian, what, what, what has he proven? He keeps telling you he's going to make all this money. He keeps telling you he's going to get a big contract, but you know, at some point you have to just trust the fact that other NBA owners are not crazy and, and they're watching the same thing we are. And they're looking at, you know, what he's doing. It's a good point. I mean, I'm not sure anyone's going to give him, I, I would think he's going to be looking for 30 million from the Rockets and yeah, looking for it and getting it two different things. People have brought up that point or, a, you know, a counter to some of my comments in the past. And it's a good point. I mean, just because he wants that doesn't mean he's going to get that, but he's an unrestricted free agent, not a restricted free agent. If he wants to go sign for the MLE with, with some team, he just really wants to join. He can do that. Yeah. The Rockets maybe could offer him more, but like, it's just a matter of whether you think even at 20 million, 25 million, he's, he's worth taking up that, that kind of cap to me. I wouldn't even risk that. I, I would just look at it like by the trade deadline, he's got a year and a half left. That's, um, you know, two seasons for a contending team to see if he could be uh, a key piece of their run. And I, I think the Rockets would be wise just looking at past rebuilds to flip him for picks or prospects or, or what have you and, and go from there. Because the Rockets, you know, I mean, yeah, they're out there competing and they're busting it and they're trying to win. The players are trying to win, but it's not important to, for the Rockets to win as a franchise, as an organization this season. We're definitely on the same page with Christian Wood and a lot of other things. I mean, we usually are. Uh, thanks so much for doing this. Thanks so much for taking the time during the holidays. Uh, always good to have you on the show. Hey, I appreciate it, man. Thanks. I just, I just want to say we've obviously done a lot of criticism. And it's been great or, you know, cr- critiquing and it's been great. But this season for me for the Rockets has been very fun and very exciting to watch. And I, and I don't say that just to, to praise the Rockets. It's just the development of these guys is exciting. and. You know, they're, you know, 19 to 21, I believe, in KPJ's case. And, you know, we're, we're, we're definitely pointing out the, the issues and the concerns long term, but we don't know what they're going to become. And I think it's exciting right now for Rocket fans to watch this team just to see how these guys develop, because just what we've seen in the last few games with Jalen Green, your eyes pop out because you're like, wow, you know, this is even uh, more exciting than it was the first 15, 16 games. So anyway, I just wanted to say that, uh, you know, despite some of the the negativity that I've um, said that I think that there's, there's been a lot of positives with the Rockets. Just got to keep those hamstrings and other injuries out of the way for sure. Because yeah, I love seeing Jalen green and Kevin Porter and they're all super exciting to watch. And, you know, as long as you keep them healthy and out of health and safety protocols. Yeah. It's a joy to watch those guys. And uh, always great to have you on the show. David Hardesty with clutch fans, go check out the website. Uh, if you haven't, but I'm sure most of you guys out there know about clutchbands.net. Uh, thanks a bunch. You bet, man. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Don't forget to follow Houston Sports Talk on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, the Google Podcast app, or the Stitcher app. You can support us by giving us a five star review on iTunes or by telling your friends about us. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.